Hello everyone and welcome to New Hope Community Church. I'm really glad you're here. And today we're in part 6 of 40 Days in Prayer. Now, many times in the Bible, God tells us that he will answer our prayers. One of the shortest examples of that is right there on the top of your outline. If you want to take your outline out, it says in Jeremiah 33 verse 3, he says, Call to me and I will answer you. Call to me and I will answer you. And the situation is here is Jeremiah was a little confused and he didn't have any understanding of how God could restore a nation that seemed so hopelessly destined for doom because they'd been taken from Israel all the way up to Babylon. And that's where they've been for quite some time. So in his confusion, God challenges the prophet here to call to him for understanding, for things that he didn't understand. And God promised to answer him by revealing great and unsearchable things. Now, I want to suggest to you that God answers every prayer. Now, we may not answer it the way that you would like it to be answered every time, but it's an answer nonetheless. Noah's an answer, and wait is an answer, just as much as yes is an answer. But friends, God does not say yes to every prayer, and there are many, many reasons for that. There's examples in the Bible all through where God says no even to great men and women of faith, where prayers were earnestly prayed. For example, God said no to Abraham. He said no to Moses. And he said no to David and Daniel and Jonah and Elijah. He said no to Peter. He actually said no to Paul. We'll look at that later on. So here's God. Sometimes his answer is, friend, I love you. But no. Actually, this may surprise you. There was even a prayer that wasn't answered the way Jesus would have liked it to be answered. Even to his own son, God said no. Now, I don't know about you, but that can be confusing. But then again, perhaps you know what that feels like to give an answer of either no or not yet to your children. They are still answers. So today I want to look at when God says no, because you and I are going to have quite a few no's from God in your lifetime. You'll have quite a few waits, and you'll have quite a few yeses. But even so, that can be confusing. So, for example, why do some people get relief from pain, and others don't when you pray for them? Why, when we pray for some people who are sick, some get well, and others die? Now, that can also be confusing. Now, when your prayers are not answered the way that you want, it can be particularly difficult when a tragic accident is involved or an unexplained death or a dashed dream or some unfulfilled longing is still in the balance. And you prayed and you've longed for it, but it just hasn't come to pass. And that's, my friends, I don't know about you, but when it can start to feel unbearable. So today I want to do two things. Firstly, I want to give you a quick overview of just a few possible reasons why God says no in my life and in your life. And there's probably thousands of legitimate reasons, but I've just picked a few. And then far more importantly than why, than the explanations, I want to share with you what to do when God says no in your life because you and I are going to get some no's from God. But before I share a few possible explanations, 
I want to highlight and underline here a particular caution. And here it is. It's on your outline. I put it there so we don't forget that. And that warning and caution is you need to use these words, these next couple of points, to comfort yourself. But never use them with someone in pain. Because you and I, friend, do not know, even with the best intentions, we do not know why God said no to them. And it's very presumptuous for us, for you or me, to presume or assume we know why God has said no. And by the way, it doesn't help them. Because here's the reason. Explanations never comfort. So, what are you going to do when you don't get the answer that you hoped for, what you prayed for? Some things you only going to understand, though, friends, the other side of heaven. Now, a good example to look back to for some comfort and some instruction would be the story of Job, the classic story. Job was the wealthiest man in the world at that stage, the Bill Gates, the Warren Buffetts of his day, Jeff Bezos. Now, one day, he went from being a hero straight down to a zero, and he lost everything in his life. His children were killed by a bunch of marauding terrorists, much like what's happening in some parts of Africa today, and Christians are being taken out en masse. His crops, secondly, were burned down. All his business of his cattle and his sheep and his goats, gone burger. So he lost all of his wealth also in a day. And then on top of all of that, he gets this terrible, incurable and painful disease. And you and I think sometimes we've had a bad day. Yeah. So Job then goes out and he sits down on the ground in a heap of ash. And he basically mourns and he puts on some sackcloth and ashes. And that's kind of like rough hessian sack, which is very itchy. But Job has three friends that came over. And at first, they do the right thing. They come and they sit down with Job. And they sit there in silence with him for seven days. And what they're doing there is they are carrying his pain with him. And by the way, that's what a friend does. When somebody's in grief, you show up and you shush up. You show up and you shush up. The deeper the pain in somebody's life, the fewer words you use. Now, some of you say, well, I don't know what to say to that person who's just had this terrible tragedy. Friend, you don't need to say anything. They just need your presence, which demonstrates your care and your love for them. Actually, Job's comforters did not get into trouble until they opened their mouths. Now, having given you this caution, I now want to suggest three potential and possible reasons why God will sometimes say no to your prayers. Firstly, God says no when he has a much bigger perspective. See, God sees the whole picture, and we don't. We have myopia. We have a very limited perspective. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, 13, He, as God, knows everyone, everywhere. Everything is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from Him. Do you notice those expansive words, everyone and everything and everywhere and the all-seeing and nothing. They are, ex- they are very expensive words. The problem with us is we have very limited perspective. 
And that the implication of that is we often don't see unintended consequences of what we are asking for. Thank God he does. So our Father knows how what you are asking for is not just going to affect the immediate, but the flow on and the ripple implications, even down to your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. He can see multidimensional and multi-generational ways that you and I cannot. So sometimes God says no to your prayer because he sees what you and I do not see. And he wants to protect you from something that you can't see to guard you. That's the reason. Notice this verse. Proverbs 2.8. God guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Now, that does not mean that God takes you out of all trouble. Not at all. Remember the series on Daniel we did a few years ago? Daniel had been also taken from Israel all the way up to Babylon, and he was in captivity. But having said that, he'd also risen because of his excellent spirit, the scriptures talk about, to the second in command in Babylon, so much so that he was governing. However, there were people that were jealous of him, and they were trying to catch him out. Now here, Daniel is praying, and he's praying, he's doing all the right things. I'm sure he's praying also he wouldn't get thrown into the lion's den. But yet he was thrown into the lion's den. And God shut the lion's mouths. Or think about the three young Hebrew men who wouldn't bow down and worship the statue when they were in captivity. Remember they were threatened? Either you bow down or you're into the furnace. And they were pretty bold and they said, God, um, if God doesn't rescue us, that so be it. But as for us, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, sometimes you'll pray and say, God, don't let me go through this fiery trial. But God says, hmm, I'm going to allow you to go through it. But when you come out the other side, you're going to be free. Maybe free from that habit, free from that person, free from that fear, free from guilt or free from some shame. In other words, the things that have been binding you are going to be burned off. And it wouldn't happen unless you went through the fire. So sometimes God says no to actually set you free. Think about Paul the Apostle. His greatest desire was to go to Rome, which was in that stage the center of the known world. And there he wanted to preach the good news to the, of the resurrected Christ to people in Rome. Perhaps my imagination runs wild and thinks perhaps he wanted to rent a Colosseum and have a giant crusade in the Colosseum, have great influence in Rome. Well, actually, God said yes to him getting to Rome, but no to preaching at the Colosseum. Actually, he went to Rome in chains as a prisoner, probably not quite the way he'd envisaged going on that trip. But whilst he's in jail, instead of, instead of preaching in the Colosseum, he has the time to sit and write a bunch of letters, which actually make up 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament. Now, I ask you, which would you think would have the greater effect? Paul preaching at the Colosseum or Paul writing letters that we study thousands of years later today? Well, actually, Paul would never have had the time to write letters if God hadn't put him in prison, brought food to him regularly, where he could, couldn't do anything else, basically, but write these letters. So God had a much bigger perspective and God could see what Paul couldn't see. Now, secondly, 
God says no when he has a better plan. Sometimes God says, I will answer your prayer, but just not in the way or the time that you want it answered. So God has a better plan. Notice this verse, Isaiah 55. God's speaking, he says, This plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours, for my ways are higher than yours. Notice the plural ways. God hasn't just got one way of accomplishing something. Unlike you and me, he has got many alternatives. And he's never forced to answer just one way. So sometimes God, in order to help you grow, will delay an answer to prayer. And he says, basically, we're going to go slow until you grow. And then I'll give you the answer. Now, this may surprise you. Did you know that in the Bible, many of the great heroes of faith did not get the complete answer that was promised to them before they died? Right there, that puts a nail in the health, wealth and prosperity, twisting of scriptures. That, my friends, is not the gospel. Notice this verse, Hebrews 11, 39-40. These were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Why? Because God had planned something better. So in the midst of lives of triumph and tragedy, they longed to see the unseen, to catch a glimpse of the future. And they did. With the eyes of faith, they saw the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is superior, pressing on. They lived by the faith, looking for a future where the promise of perfection would finally be fulfilled in Christ. Now, anyone who's pursued a life of righteousness and faithfulness to the living God knows that our journey means making daily decisions that test our faith, that prove our faith. And from our limited perspective, stepping out in faith can sometimes feel uh, frightening, uh, shaky, risky. And to outsiders, it may even appear foolish, if not flat out dangerous. So to endure this journey of both triumph and tragedy, faith in the goodness of God must overshadow our feelings. Then we'll be able to continue the outward path toward greater strength and maturity. Third, God says no when he has a greater purpose. He says no when he has a greater purpose. So God will never let your prayers and my prayers interfere with our purpose. If you're praying something that's not according to his purpose for your life and my life, he's not going to give it to you. Psalm 57 verse 2 says, I cry out to God most high who fulfills his purpose for me. Now, as you and I both know, not everything that happens in your life or my life is good. You know that. A lot of tough stuff happens because you make bad choices, I make bad choices, other people make bad choices, and to boot, we live in a fallen planet. But here's the good news. God says, I can even use all of those things for good. So you may be in a tough spot right now. You prayed for something and it hasn't come through. So what do you do? Anytime you're discouraged, you remind yourself that God has a greater purpose for my life and your life. He's got a bigger perspective. He's got a better plan. And he's got a greater purpose. So like David and Paul both observed, Bad things can happen to good people, but God is good 
and he has a good end for us. And these bad things that seemingly happen will bring about good results. Notice this verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. These present troubles, these are the ones you're going through now, they're quite small and they won't last very long. That's compared to eternity. Yet, they will produce in us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. That's our reward in heaven. So, we don't look at troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. So friends, as your pastor who prays for you, who prays for you um, with my wife, by myself, with this prayer group, I want to share with you three realities that will help you navigate the challenging circumstances that you and I encounter on this earth. Now the first one is this. The first reality are there are some things in life that you're not going to understand. That's the why question, until you get to heaven. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, there are some things the Lord our God has kept secret, but there are some things he's let us know. There are some things in your life that you're not going to get answers to until you get to heaven. Same in my life. But you don't need an explanation to be at peace. What you need is his presence within you and God's word. The second reality is that some things are going to happen in your life that are not going to change this side of eternity. Some problems in your life are never going to change until you get to heaven. But remember this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Think about a weaver carefully interlacing the stranded threads of colored threads into a pre-planned pattern. The third reality I want to share with you is that sometimes you are going to suffer, and I'm going to suffer for the benefit of other people. And that's called redemptive suffering. This week I was thinking of many ministries around the world that have been started all because people have prayed earnestly and God had said no. They prayed for, for example, the instant healing of an addiction. So some people that I know started a ministry called Bethel House. And it's a recovery ministry for drug addicts. Other people I know, they prayed for a child and they didn't get a child. So they started a Christian foster care ministry and a Christian adoption ministry. So God said no to an easy answer. And instead, in these particular cases, God says, I'm going to take your pain and I'm going to use it to bless other people. So God wants to take your greatest pain in your life and use it to benefit other people. Now, not only is this true in your life, but it was true of Jesus Christ. God even allowed for his own son, Jesus, his son, to suffer for our salvation. And again, that is redemptive suffering. And if God allowed his own son to go to the cross to suffer for your benefit and for mine, for our salvation... When he allows you to go through suffering for the benefit of helping other people, you are most like Christ at that moment. Now that's not easy, but you're maturing and you're becoming like Christ. And when you suffer and you use that pain to help other people, you don't waste that pain. 
God sometimes allows us to suffer pain so that we can comfort others suffering in a similar situation. So, what do I do when God says no? Well, the first thing is I trust that God does everything in goodness and love. I trust that Godness does everything in goodness and in love. Psalm 25 verse 10 says all the ways of the Lord are loving. And that's because God cannot act in an unloving way. Why? Because it's against his character. 1 John 4 16 says God is love. And also in Romans 8 28, remember, in everything, that's even the bad stuff, God works for the good of those who love him. So you and I need to remember that and trust that God does everything in his goodness and in his love in your life and my life, even when he says no. Now, when any time God says no, Satan, though, is going to start to shoot darts of doubt at your heart and say things like, well, God doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. Otherwise, he'd have given everything that you want. Well, remember, friends, at that point, Satan is the father of lies. And I want you to write this down on your outline right there. Write down, I don't have to understand God's answer to know that it's motivated by love. I don't have to understand God's answer to know that it's motivated by love. Now, when God says no, you have three options. You can resist it. No. You can resent it, get all upset, or you can relax in it. Three options. Resist, resent, relax. Number one, resist. I haven't put that in your outline. You may want to write on the side. You can resist it. You can get mad at God and you can turn your back on him. Unfortunately, some people I've seen get this attitude and basically say, well, I'm out of here because they got mad. They resist it. And unfortunately, some people walk away. I don't quite understand that, but they walk away from their good father basically having a tantrum because they didn't get their own way. And God said, no. They didn't realize and trust that their father, who has a way bigger perspective, a better plan, a greater purpose, than they could ever dream or imagine or conceive. And instead, they got the huff and they walked away from God with a sense of resentment and rebellion, which we're going to talk about, that second option. You can resent it and become rebellious and bitter and miserable. And you can doubt God's love. What a terrible way to live. I know people who've lived their entire lives in misery because they're resentful and they've never accepted the fact that God only does what's for their own moral good in their lives. The third option you have when God says no is you can just relax. Why? Because you know that God always has your best interests at heart. And you say, well, God doesn't make a whole bunch of sense to me right now. and I don't understand it. And it's incredibly painful. It's not good. What's happening right now is terrible. But I do know this. You are a good, good father. You're a loving father. You're a competent father. You're a caring father. You'll never stop loving me. And even in this, your love still remains. Secondly, when God says no and you're in pain, you need to pray what Jesus prayed when he was facing the cross. The night before Jesus went to the cross, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was there to pray, not sleep like the other disciples, because he knew what was coming up the following day. He knows what's coming up tomorrow. He knew he was going to be suffering and there's going to be 
torture and there was going to be shame and he's going to be put on the cross and he's going to be whipped and he's going to be crucified and he doesn't want to go through that pain any more than you or I would want to go through that pain now the Bible says that in that agony he went to the garden to pray and the prayer that Jesus prayed in that garden is the same prayer that you and I should pray when we're in pain so follow this closely Mark 14 35 going a little farther Jesus fell to the ground in agony praying if possible that he may not have to suffer what was ahead of him what was that well that was a crucifixion and he's basically saying father if there's any other way for the salvation of the world i don't want to die on the cross and so we can learn a few things from that it's okay to say father i don't want to go through this i don't want to face what i'm about to go through maybe it's a cancer or some treatment or divorce or surgery or death or whatever god i don't want to do this but then jesus prays three things which is insightful for you and i when we're in pain firstly he says jesus prayed abba father and then he says all things are possible for you two please take this cup of suffering away from me third phrase yet i want your will not mine to be done now, those are the three things you and I should always pray when we're in pain. And you may want to write these down. Here's the right way to pray when you're in pain, like Jesus was. First, affirm God's power. And say, Father, I know you can do anything. Well, he's saying basically there, all things are possible. And that's dead true. Then, second, ask with passion. Father, please give me what I ask. Well, what's the option? Pray passionless. Jesus is saying, please, Father, take this cup away from me. By the way, again, it's okay for you to pray, please take away this pain. Please take away this suffering. And sometimes God will, and sometimes he won't. But whatever the weather, thirdly, accept God's plan. And this is exactly what Jesus did. He models it for us. He says, however, not my will, but your will be done. However, I want what I want most is your will. No, I don't want to go through this suffering. I don't want to go through this problem. I don't want to go through this pain. But nevertheless, what I want even more than that is I want your plan, your purpose, your perspective. I want your will, not mine, to be done. And when you pray that prayer, your father smiles because he knows that you trust him and it honors him. So what do I do when God says no to my prayers? Well, number one, I trust that everything he does, he does in love. Number two, I pray like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's got to be a great model to follow. And three, I expect God to give me his grace and his strength and his power to handle his answer. So what is God's grace when my prayers are not answered? Grace is God's power to handle the pain. Grace is God's power to do the right thing anyway, even when it is painful. So even the Apostle Paul, who was the greatest of all Christians who ever lived next to the Jesus Christ himself, did not get all of his prayers answered. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 12.8. So Paul, speaking, he says, Three times I prayed to the Lord about this and asked him to take it away. But his answer was, effectively, no. My grace is all you need, for my power is greatest when you are weak. 
So I gladly boast, he says, about my weakness so that Christ's power can flow through me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm not going to go on this life in my own power. I'm going to rely on God's power. And like Paul, when thorns are not removed from our lives, remember that God has permitted these things and God will bring good out of painful situations worthy of praise in the end. So as you think about your own trials, be careful what you call thorns in your life. In Paul's context, thorns involve physical ailments and painful experiences and emotional trauma. So in other words, something that will be removed in the resurrection and in the new world. But nevertheless, today they have a presence and they're nagging and they're unavoidable in your life today. So what thorns are you dealing with today? Is it something like depression? Or is it a a handicap or a chronic illness or anxiety or the effects of an accident or some emotional scars? Or maybe it's even the aftermath of an addiction. Whatever that is, let me encourage you to ask the Lord to make his grace sufficient for you. For me, if God never said yes to another single prayer request of mine, I would still owe him the rest of my life. I would still serve him till the day I see him. And you owe me your life too. So my question to you this morning is, what have you been praying about that hasn't happened yet? Now some of you and those you love have been praying, God, I just want somebody to love. And if that's what you want, I want that for you too. But you need to remember this. When something hasn't happened yet, God has a much bigger perspective. Maybe he's protecting you from an unforeseen problem and pain. And God has a better plan. Friends, the story has not ended yet. Some of you went through a divorce, and that was the end of that chapter. But that's not the end of the story. God has not finished with you. That's not the end of your story. And God definitely has a greater purpose. And right now, he's working on you, and he'll give you the grace and the power to handle it. And friends, remember, he will never put more on you than he puts in you to bear it up. The Bible says in Psalm 9 verse 10, Those who know you, Lord, will trust you. You do not abandon anyone who comes to you. If you don't trust God when he says no, it really means that you don't know him. Those who know the Lord, the Bible says there, they trust him. They know he's good and he's loving and he's competent and caring and kind. Now if you don't know him though, the good news is you can get to know him today. Let's bow our heads. Friends, you or I are not going to get a yes to every one of our prayers. It could be a yes, it could be a wait, or it could be a no. But you ought to thank God when he does say no. Some of the reasons why he says no, we can figure out. And others, we're never going to really know why until we get to heaven. But we do know this, that God is a good God. He's a loving God. He has a greater perspective than you and I have. He has a better plan and he has a much greater purpose with much greater long-range goals for you and I. Now, if you don't trust him, it's because you don't know him. So why don't you take the first step today to know God and to really know him? Why don't you just say in your mind, God, I want to get to know you. Just say that in your heart. Dear God, I want to get to know you. I want to open my life to you. And I want to learn to love you 
And I want to learn to trust you. And I want to feel your love toward me. I want to be close to you, Lord. Father, I certainly want your plan for my life, not mine. I want your purpose for my life, not mine. I want your power for my life, not mine. And your pardon for things that I have done wrong, Lord, in my life. Father, I need your peace. I need your presence and especially your forgiveness. Thank you for letting your son Jesus Christ suffer for me so that he could pay for all my sins and in return I gain his righteousness. Father, if you want to use the pain in my life to help others, go for it. I'm willing to be used as a living sacrifice. I want to be like you. So today, as much as I know how, Jesus Christ, I ask you to fill me with your life and your love and your spirit and to start me on the journey to trust you more and more every day and then in heaven, Lord, to be with you where all the questions will be answered and all the problems removed and the pain replaced by joy, your joy. So Father, I look forward to that day. Help me to tell others about this incredibly good news. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you folks. Let's stand as we sing this next song.